Here's one thing I've never heard. I have enough money. We all wonder if we'll ever make enough. Well, I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor of Alistair Baptist Church in Sumter, South Carolina, and we're going to talk about that today. Let's join this worship service already in progress. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all this morning. A special shout out to our Pacala campus. This is their third anniversary and also Mark's Delmar's first Sunday as campus pastor. So praying for him to have great, great things happen there. And I know you will join me in that. And it's also Super Bowl Sunday in case nobody remembered. That's why we've asked everybody to wear some team gear. People have asked me, where's mine? This is Samford University, Sam, not Stan. And that's where I went to school. Go Bulldogs. Yeah, that's why I figured nobody's ever heard of it. Well, we're in this series called um, I Need to Know, and it's all about the questions that we have and that nobody ever gives us the answers to, questions that you didn't learn the answer to in school. And real interesting, today, being Super Bowl Sunday, we think it's about which team is going to win, but let me tell you, it's also about the money. Um, a 30-second commercial on the Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl today, will cost about $5.6 million. Alice Drive will not be advertising on the Super Bowl broadcast today. The winners uh, on the team, the team that wins, they'll each get a $124,000 bonus. The losers will get a $62,000 bonus. I would be willing to play in the Super Bowl and lose for half of that, wouldn't you? Hey, it's not too late if you want a ticket. Uh, there are still some available. I checked on StubHub, and there is a ticket in the nosebleed section in the end zone, $4,470. And if you can afford that, you can probably afford the charter flight it will take to get there. So the Super Bowl is definitely about money. And if you're like me, you can't help but hear those figures and say, I wouldn't mind having a slice of that. Just a slice. But here's my question. If you got a slice of it, whether it was a slice of the 5.6 or the 124 or the 62, would it be enough? How much would be enough? And I think that's why it's important for us to talk today about money. And to help us with this, uh, one of our, our folks who come to our church, Will Gentry, is going to come up and help. Uh, would you give Will a great big warm Alistair welcome? Hey, Will. Will's originally from Greenville, uh, served in the Army, got out, realized he wanted to serve, but wanted a different branch, so he went back into the Air Force. And um, yeah, not that there's any rivalry there or anything. Oh, uh, no, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Never. Okay, so uh, where do you find most of your money going, Will? Uh, I mean, for me, most of my money... Uh, I live by myself. I got a lot of bills to cover. Um, most of my money goes to just, you know, normal living expenses. It's not like the Air Force really pays me that much. So, uh, you know, I try to try to try to cover everything I need. That's 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 really where most of my money goes. So you've been in the military about how long? I'm coming up on six years. Six years. So I figure what you're pulling about one hundred twenty, hundred thirty thousand dollars a year. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. OK. <laughs> I mean, isn't that right, guys? I mean, I know we got a lot of veterans here. Okay, maybe not. So how do you make financial decisions? Uh, for me personally, I set up a budget, and it takes a lot of self-discipline to really kind of stick to that budget and make sure that, 
you know, as much as I'd love to go spend all my money on things that I just like, I gotta, gotta make sure I cover everything I need first. Yeah. So, that <laughs> need before want. Need before want for sure. Yeah. That's, that's really smart for somebody your age. Uh, there are people my age who don't know that. Um, what do you think is your biggest financial challenge? My biggest financial challenge right now, like I said, just living by myself, that's, that's a pretty big expense. Um, a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I work with, you know, they've got roommates. And so that kind of splits the bill a little bit. I decided that I kind of like doing what I want. Um, so really, th th I have a lot of expense with that. And like I said, the biggest challenge is making sure that I maintain that kind of self-discipline to make sure that everything's covered before I go out and, and have my fun. Yeah. So what do you like to do for fun? Uh, you know, I'm an avid out out outdoorsman. I like hunting. I like fishing. I'm a big fan of uh, going out and just shooting. Um, and really, that's that's not random I'm, people, but not, shooting. No, 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 no yeah. you know, like target practice, go yeah, to the okay. range, just, you know, just, stuff like that. Just want to make sure. Um, so, but like I said, I, I'm in my off season right now. Deer season ended, um, so I'm just waiting for April to roll around for turkey season to open up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this, uh, that that is where the majority of my money goes to. Yeah. My my fun side of my money. The fun side of the, the money. The fun side of the money. Right. So, how does your faith inform your financial decisions? Uh, for me, my faith, you know, there can be a lot of struggle with, you know, finances for me just because I don't make that much. So I guess really when, when, when things get tight and, you know, I'm sitting here going, oh, you know, how am I going to make it to, to the next paycheck? How am I going to, you know, wh wh what am I going to do if something, you know, my truck breaks down? What's, what can I do? Uh, and and I, I actually go back to the sermon that you gave a few weeks ago about, you know, um, just putting that faith in God and knowing that, you know, if I have that faith and, and, and I focus on him, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will follow, that that really uh, kind of struck me. And so, I mean, you know, when, when things are tough, I just drop down on my knees and pray and ask for God to make a way for me, and he hasn't failed me yet. That's great. That's great. And thanks for remembering a sermon from a few weeks back. I appreciate uh, yes, that. Yes, sir. Not a problem. Yeah. Hey, would you show your appreciation to Will? Will, thanks. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, so, so most of us experience kind of what Will talks about. I mean, we have a limited amount of money, and yet there's a lot of things that demand our attention. When you look at it, there's only four things you can do with money. Only four. The first thing you can do is you can give. And usually this is what we talk about in church. We talk a lot about you need to give, you need to be generous. And this sermon is actually not about giving. But with whatever you do with money, there is a price tag, and there's a price tag with giving. When you give, there's less for you, but there's more for somebody else. Make sense? Sure. All right, here's the second thing you can do with money. You can save money. And we all know this is a good idea. My parents used to tell me you need to save for a rainy day. You also need to save for dry spells, it turns out. And my parents also we were fond of this saying, you probably heard it from Benjamin Franklin, a penny saved is a penny earned, right. So we all know that saving is a really good idea. Hey, and if you're a baby boomer, you are among the best saving generation ever. Baby boomers have turned out to be really good savers. If you're a millennial, turns out you also are part of a generation that is a very good saving generation. We, a few years ago, interviewed a young man for a position at our church. He was a millennial. And first question he asked us, not how much he would make, is what kind of retirement plan do you have? 
And I thought that was actually pretty good. I mean, this guy was thinking ahead. He realized he wasn't going to work his whole life. He wanted to know, how's the saving plan work here? Now, if you save, that means there is less for now, but there's more for later. That's what it means to save. Now, the third thing you can do with money is you can spend money. And a lot of times when we talk about spending money, we make it sound negative. But truth is, we live needing to spend money because none of us is self-sufficient. You got to spend money on food, got to spend money on shelter, got to spend money on transportation, and you got to spend money on clothes. I'm really glad all of you spent some money on clothes because you're all here clothed this morning. 99% of the people listening to this message today, you get those basic needs taken care of and you have margin. What do you do with the margin? Well, a lot of us with the margin, we improve. We improve our house. We, we, we want a bigger house. We want different features. A lot of us will seek to improve our clothing. Uh, I know some of you won't wear clothing unless it's got a particular name tag or label on it. We improve what we drive. You know, we, we want a newer vehicle or we want an upgrade in, in what we drive. Uh, we will even improve what we eat. So some of you, I know you will not go to certain restaurants because they're kind of cheap and you're never sure exactly what the meat is. You want to go to a little upgrade in establishment, right? And yet most of us, even after we upgrade the essentials, we still have margin. What do we do with it? We spend it on experiences. So we take trips, we travel, nothing wrong with that. A lot of us invest in technology. How many of you remember the first smartphone you got? Okay, how many of you still use that same smartphone? Okay, I, I got one guy who says he still has the same one. That's because he just upgraded from a flip phone a few months ago, right? Right, I knew that. So, so, so here's what we do. We, we hear that there's a newer, better smartphone, and then we think, well, I've got to have that. And that's where a lot of our money and resources go. So there's nothing wrong with spending, but we do have to pause and think about, well, how actually are we spending this money? Because here's the price tag when it comes to spending. If you spend, you have less to give and save, but you do have more for your needs and your wants. So this is one where it's kind of tricky. This impacts a couple other things. Now, the last thing we can do with our money is the thing that's seldom talked about. We can be content. That's the last thing you can do with money. You can be content. How many of you had a class in contentment in school? Yeah, nobody teaches us this. In fact, our economy is based on discontent. All the ads you will see today during the Super Bowl are going to try to convince you that if you drove this vehicle, you would have a better life. If you eat at this restaurant, it will be tastier. If you buy this kind of clothing or invest in this kind of product, your life will be better. And I promise you, there will be a beer commercial on today that will promise you if you drink that beer, you will get thinner, grow hair, and attract the opposite sex. <laughs> Our culture thrives on discontent. So what is contentment anyway? Well, contentment means that you're satisfied. To be content is to be satisfied you have enough. To be content is to be satisfied that you have enough. 
Now, I know when we talk about contentment, some of you get nervous because you're thinking about the guy that lives down the street whose son is 35 years old and lives in the room over the garage and doesn't have a job and plays video games all day long. And that guy seems pretty content. That's not contentment. (laughs) That's irresponsible on both parts. So contentment is something that we know we need, but we're still not sure how do we get it. How do we actually learn to be content? So let's look at a story in the Bible about a man who knows about contentment. You'll find this story in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is in the New Testament. It's about halfway through Philippians chapter 4. It's written by a guy named Paul. Paul, if you recall, was a man who started life as an opponent of Jesus, met Jesus, changed his life, changed his direction. He changed his financial security. He now had to depend on the offerings of different churches to support him as he was a missionary. Paul was very bold. He got arrested, sent to Rome, and he was in protective custody in Rome, kind of like house arrest. There was a Roman soldier outside his home where he stayed. He could not freely come and go. Now, the Philippian church had a special relationship with Paul. They would regularly send him money, but Paul had fallen off the map. There was no way for them to know exactly where he was. And then they discover he's in Rome. News reaches them. They decide to send him an offering with a guy named Epaphroditus. Now, back then, they didn't have Venmo. The only way you could give money to a person is somebody literally physically take it to them. And that's what Epaphroditus does. Epaphroditus brings Paul an update about everything going on in Philippi. And Paul writes him a letter back, letter of encouragement, challenges him on a couple of things. And at the very end of the letter, he says, thank you, sort of. I want you to listen to what he says in verses 10 through 14. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 14. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it because they didn't know where he was. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret for being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share my trouble. Paul says, your gift brought me joy. Even though I could do without it, I've learned how to be content with stuff and without stuff, with money and without money. It's like Paul wants to teach them something about contentment. And this really is the big idea today. If you don't get anything else I say, get this. Contentment is learned. Contentment is learned. Any of you who are parents know this. Human beings do not come out content, do they? Have you ever seen a content newborn? No, they cry. They expect you to wait on them hand and foot, right? They they, they want you to take care of their every need. And you have to actually teach them to be content along the way. That's actually a mark of maturity. So how do you learn contentment? Who's going to teach you? Doesn't it make sense to learn 
from a man who actually says, yeah, I've learned how to do this. Contentment is all about building character. It is all about building some strength in your soul. And you do that by healing hurts and growing habits. You build character by healing hurts and growing habits. So that means the first thing you have to do is know your hurts. Every one of us has scars on our soul. Do you know what they are? And do you know how your scars impact your financial decisions? My Aunt Faye, wonderful woman, very generous person, but she grew up very hard. Her family was poor. They didn't always have the best or the finest of things. You know, and, and sometimes that showed up in the most basic places like at mealtime when all the plates didn't match. Now, I know for some of you that's not an issue. All your plates match because as soon as you open up that little cellophane on those paper plates, they all match, right? But this is before really people use paper plates. And so when Anne Faye was about middle age and she and her husband had been successful in business, she bought a set of china so everything matched. That was important to her. And when she died, we discovered 17 sets of china in her house. Do you think she was trying to heal a hurt? I know some of you think, well, she must have had a big family. She had an only child who had an only child. She made financial decisions based on her hurt. But now, you know, don't, don't throw my Aunt Faye under the bus. I remember the first day I bought a chainsaw. It was a mark that I was a real man. Real men have chainsaws. Every once in a while, I still go out to my garage, and I put my foot down, and when it cranks, and it goes, Vroom! and I pick it up, and it's just like, I, yeah, let me just cut something. <laughs> Guys, are you following me? You're with me? Yeah. Now, do you think that comes out of any hurt in our life? <laughs> I may not be able to understand your feelings, honey, but I can crank a chainsaw. <laughs> I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, he was telling me he bought a new camper. Really? Wow. And, you know, sometimes you ask people something, and, and they tell you more than you want to know. I said, so why'd you buy the camper? He said, well... He said, you know, family, it's just, we're just so busy. We don't have time to do a whole lot. So we wanted to buy the camper so we could have some family experiences. And let me tell you, I got a really good deal on the interest rate. And so, you know, I, I couldn't afford not to buy it. And a couple of years later, we were talking, and this idea of the camper came back up. And I said, so you're using your camper a lot? He said, no, I haven't even had it out this year. This is like in September. And I said, so I thought you guys were going to do a lot of camping. He said, who's got the time? He said, I'm having to get extra work and do some side jobs so I can afford the payments. Think he was trying to solve a hurt with a financial decision. So you got to know where your hurts are. And you got to see how it plays out in your life financially. And then you got to work on healing your hurts. Now, your hurts on your soul are never solved by more. Your hurts on your soul are never solved, healed by more. 
Um, my brother collects guns. He's got about 250. He's only got two hands. And I'll tease him sometimes and I'll say, Steve, why do you got so many guns? He says, well, you know, I need them. Really? <laughs> I mean, you're well equipped, equipped for the zombie apocalypse, but other than that, I'm not so sure. And, and the funny thing is, even though my brother has all these guns, you know what he still does? He goes to gun shows. And guess what he does at the gun show? He buys another gun. I just don't understand that. But then again, I know a guy who's got about 2,500 books. And, and he's, even got, he's got about 100 books he hadn't even read. And you know what that guy keeps doing? How did you know? Yeah, he keeps buying more books. And I understand why you need more books. Because books are from God. And in case you haven't figured it out, I'm the guy who buys the books. Steve's the guy who buys the guns. And both of us have a problem. We think more is going to heal the hurt. It's not. What heals the hurt? The hurt on your soul is healed by presence. And you know this. Because a lot of you, when you get stressed or when you get depressed, you want to talk with someone. I love it when my kids call me and say, Dad, I just need to talk through something. Yeah. But as good as it is to be in the presence of people who understand you, it is more excellent to be in the presence of the God who made you. He understands that hurt. And when you are in his presence, when you focus on him, you remember that you are loved and you are valued, not because of what you own or what you have or what you make, but because of who you are. This is why worship matters. So you know your hurts, you ask God to heal your hurts, and then you think about how how do you focus on God? John Ortberg has a great insight. He says that because the soul worships, well, he said the soul worships what it desires. Whatever your soul desires, it worships. So if you desire attention, what are you going to worship? You desire alcohol, what are you going to worship? You desire food, what are you going to worship? If you desire money, what are you going to worship? So you need to actually grow the habit of the with God life. This is growing habits. How do you do that? Well, practice worshiping God. God worship is the best way to satisfy your soul. Now, there's two forms of that. There's the form that we're experiencing this morning. We're together. We're singing. We're enjoying one another's presence. We come together to worship not just so that we can sing, but so that we can remember we are citizens of a different kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But then we also need to practice daily worship. Daily worship is thinking about your life and being aware of where God is at work every day. Thinking about what is God saying today, even thinking about the financial decisions that you are about to make. I think you ought to pray before you shop. 
And you ought to say, God, please help me. Please help me. Please help me know what I need to do today that is wise. I don't need to just buy something today because it is advertised. I don't just need to buy something today because it's on special or it's on sale. Father, show me what I really need. I'm going to give you a good rule of thumb. Before you buy more, make sure you're using what you got. Before you buy more, make sure you're using what you have. If you're not using it, what should you do with it? Get rid of it. Give it to the Salvation Army. Have a yard sale. Let somebody else use it. I had a lady come to a yard sale that I had one time, and and she said, I'm just a poor person. I think she was giving me a line because she was driving a pretty nice car. And she said, "I, I can't afford a... A, 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 a quarter for this, this pair of jeans. And so I said, okay, you can give me 10 cents because here's the truth. What am I got to do with that pair of jeans? I can't, it was not appropriate for me to wear those anymore. Maybe, maybe they could, maybe they could bless somebody else with a, I, maybe I got taken, who cares? I don't need it. How much of the stuff in your house do you just not use anymore? And you need to just get rid of and need to learn to be content with what you have. See, I think you can only do this when you really are focusing on God and you really are thinking, God, what, what would honor you? I know I've made some purchases here and, and I made those purchases out of a hurt and God, I want those hurts to be healed. And so, Father, what do I need to do? Now, Paul apparently has mastered this because he says in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this verse is often misapplied. You will probably today at the Super Bowl see some player with eye black right here, and on it he'll have written Philippians 4.13. And and you may recall the older translation of this verse, which goes like, I can do all things through Christ in him who strengthens me, right? So I've often wondered if, if an offensive player who's got the ball is wearing Philippians 4.13 and a defensive player who's trying to tackle him has Philippians 4.13 and they meet each other on the field, who wins? And the answer is Tim Tebow. <laughs> but remember, Paul here is talking about financial hardship. He is saying, look, God's going to give me the strength to say no to financial temptations. God is going to give me the strength to understand my solutions are not winning the lottery or making more money. God is going to give me the strength to face life. God is going to help me in my financial life. He's going to give me the strength to say, this is enough. That's the strength of the with God life. So I want to teach you a prayer today. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, today I ask for the strength to be content. Heavenly Father, today I ask for the strength to be content. Would you, would you say that with me? Heavenly Father, today I ask for the strength to be content.
Now, this is not all. There's another part of contentment, and that is joy. Enjoy what God gives you. You know, Paul says, I rejoice in this offering. Hey, it was freely given to me. I'm going to enjoy it. I know people who give, save, and spend wisely, and they are miserable. God actually wants you to enjoy what you have. Ecclesiastes 5.19 says, Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Enjoy what God puts in your hand. So when I celebrated my 10th anniversary at the church, the church gave me a very nice love offering. And we decided it would be a good thing for our family to have a boat. So we went and we bought a boat. And I felt guilty. I felt guilty. I had some messages running around in my head that said, you're not supposed to have anything nice. You're not supposed to have anything that brings enjoyment. You're just supposed to suffer and be miserable for Jesus. Anybody have those kind of messages? Don't raise your hand. And so I talked to my mentor about this, and my mentor said, Clay, do you tithe? Well, of course I tithe. Do you save? Hey, at that time, three kids, they weren't in college yet. You better believe I'm saving. Are you spending wisely? Yeah. Did you borrow money to buy the boat? No. Paid cash for it. And then he said, so maybe God put it in your hand to enjoy. Just enjoy it. You mean I I don't have to feel guilty about this? No. It's a blessing from God. Enjoy it. Enjoy the blessings that God gives you. But don't try to buy something that you think is a blessing from God. So here's another good rule of thumb. Enjoy what you have before you add more. Enjoy what you have before you add more. And there's something else real important in this passage. Paul talks about, I I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little. Most of us can say that, some level. We've ridden the ups and downs. Most of us have been through a time where finances got really tight. Some of us have been in that time when finances were in a point of crisis. And then some of us, we've, we've done pretty well. But Paul says, you know, I've learned how to be content when I had a lot and when I didn't have anything. Circumstances did not change Paul's character. What about you? Can you say who I am does not change based on what I face? So maybe this morning you're at kind of a place where you're in financial hard spot. Is it changing who you are? If it is, Your first priority is not to get more money, but is to grow your character. Now, a lot of us are in the place where, you know, things are okay, don't have a lot of money, but we've got some margin. It can be just as challenging to live with margin as it can be to live with lack. So if you've got some margin, maybe you need to think about Is this changing who I am? Have you ever seen money change people? 
And maybe that means you need to grow your character as well. Maybe you'll get to the point where you can say, Jesus is enough. Now, one thing that Paul finishes up with, it's real important. He says, you know, it really was good of you to share my trouble. Generosity is a good thing. Contentment breeds generosity. And here's what I know about you. You want to be generous. Nobody wants to be Scrooge. Nobody wants to be stingy. Are you finding Jesus to be enough so you can have contentment, so you can be generous? There's a man in my hometown, and he drives like a 1985 Ford F-250. Lives in a three-bedroom ranch house. Uh, it's it's nice house, but it's nothing to you know write home about. And you meet the guy. He's wearing usually he's wearing overalls and a shirt, and he, and he looks like a dirt farmer. And you'd never believe he's worth about forty million dollars. And I know him well enough that we talked about it one time. <laughs> I said, you know, you you really you you could kind of upgrade from the, the overalls with a hole in them, and you could buy a nicer truck. And he said, why do I need it? And he said, I've got enough. My truck runs. My roof doesn't leak. And he looked at me and he said, Clay, I've learned to live to give because Jesus is enough for me. Wow. He'd learn how to be content. See, because I can answer the question, will you ever have enough money? No. You'll never have enough if money is your aim. And so the question really that all of us face is real simple. Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Would you bow your heads? Father, I think we all need to confess that we've bought into this idea that we need more to be happy. Teach us contentment. We really need to learn it. Let all of us be satisfied with Jesus. For Jesus truly is enough. It's in his name we pray. Thanks for joining us for this service from Alice Drive Baptist Church. Alice Drive is one church with two locations. We have a location at the corner of Wise Drive and Loring Mill Road in Sumter. That location has services at 8.30 on Sunday morning, which is a traditional service, two contemporary services, one at 9.45 and one at 11, and then a service on Monday night for people who can't make it on Sunday, and that service is at 7 o'clock. We also have a location called Pocala Church, it meets in Pacala Springs Elementary School on Bethel Church Road in Sumter. That location has two services at 945 and 11. I hope we will see you in person very soon. I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor at Alice Drive Baptist Church in Sumter. Check us out at alicedrive.org. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.